evening and welcome to Matters of Life. I'm your host, John Lucier, and I am thankful that you all are with me this evening as we get into the Word. I'd like to thank each of you for standing for righteousness and justice as the Lord has led you and as is your heart to be obedient to the Lord. And I want to encourage you this evening. You know, it's, it's easy to lose sight when we shift our focus and our eyes off of the Lord as to what he's saying and doing and, and put them on the situation and circumstances that seem to be arising all around us. But let's be encouraged this evening. The Apostle Paul in the book of Romans chapter 11, beginning of verse 1, says this, I say then, God has not rejected his people, has he? May it never be. For I too am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Or do you not know that the scripture says in the passage about Elijah, how he pleads with God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets. They have torn down your altars, and I alone am left, and they are seeking my life. But what is the divine response to him? I have kept from myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. In the same way, then, there also has, there has also come to be at the present time a remnant according to God's gracious choice. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. What then? What Israel is seeking, it has not obtained. But those who were chosen obtained it, and the rest were hardened, just as it was written. And we'll stop there on that, because there's a couple things that we need to, to look at. One is, and, and this is the, the first thing I want you to be encouraged by, the Lord has not rejected his people. His servants, those who are standing, as we just said, for righteousness and justice. Not our own righteousness or our own justice, but in the Lord. His righteousness and His justice, His will, which is His plan, His purpose, and His covenant here on earth as it is in heaven. And He tells us that throughout scriptures. We can look at Psalm 94, I'll read verses 12 through 16. Blessed is the man whom you, whom you chasten, O Lord, and whom you teach out of your law, that you may grant him relief from the days of adversity, until a pit is dug for the wicked, for the Lord will not abandon his people, nor will he forsake his inheritance, for judgment again will be righteous, and all the upright in heart will follow it. Who will stand up for me against evildoers? Who will take his stand for me against those who do wickedness? Throughout scripture, he reminds us, the Lord does, that he's not forgotten us. He encourages us to keep our eyes focused on him. Those were the exact words to Joshua. And to meditate on his word day and night. The Lord is absolutely abundantly aware of the situation, the circumstances that we find ourselves in. 
especially as a nation. Remember, the Lord has not rejected you. Now, he said in the scripture, the first one in Romans chapter 11, he says he's not rejected his people. But then we, we have been grafted in as Israel. We are a nation founded upon the Lord and his word. He is our foundation. Let's understand that. But there is a, a refining that is happening, a purifying, or as Psalm 91 said, a, a chastening that is happening. And it, we have talked about this in, in many of the previous episodes, that the Lord is, he wills that none should perish. So he is giving every available, all the time that is required, that he has set aside so that none should perish. And it is time for people to make a choice. That's what happens in the very next verse. He says he's not rejected his people whom he foreknew. But then it talks about the passage of Elijah, or what's said about Elijah, how he pleads with the Lord against Israel. And some can look at that and say, well, that's harsh. But let's understand what the word plead means. Go right to Webster's. It's a verb, typically either intransitive and or transitive. And the intransitive verb, there's four aspects to it. One is to argue a case or cause in a court of law. Two is, there's two parts to two, to make an allegation in an action or other legal proceeding, especially to answer the previous pleading of the other party by denying facts therein stated or by alleging new facts, to conduct pleadings. Three is to make a plea of a specified nature. Four is to argue for or against a claim or to entreat or appeal earnestly. Transitive means to maintain a case, a cause, etc. in a court of law or other tribunal. Two is to allege in by or by way of a legal plea. And three is to offer as a plea, usually in a defense, apology, or excuse. Well, now throughout Scripture, there have been many that have pleaded before the Lord for one reason or another, usually on behalf. That's typically what's known as intercession. So, yes, let's look at this for what it is. Elijah was pleading with the Lord, interceding for Israel. Now, there are things that in the intercession that he could not excuse. And you see that throughout his ministry. He asked the people plainly, even on top of Mount Carmel, how long will you be of two opinions? And he's constantly encouraging them to choose the Lord fully. In the same way that John the Baptist came later and said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the remission of sins. It says in Isaiah that he was the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Make straight the way of the Lord. He's calling people to repent, but he says to make his path straight. And that's not the only, the only place in time that we see this. Jesus acknowledged this during his ministry. In Matthew 12, 41 and 42, it says this. 
The queen of the south will rise up with this generation at the judgment and will condemn it. Because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. Which is incredible. Oh, I forgot to read verse 41. The men of Nineveh will stand up with this generation at the judgment and will condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. So right there, there are two examples of groups of people. The queen of the south did not come by herself. But she wanted the wisdom that Solomon came, which came from the Lord. Saying that she received the Lord and is now in the, in the great cloud of witnesses. Followed by Jonah, or actually Jonah and the people of Nineveh, who we've, we've covered here in the past few episodes. They repented. These were, again, not Jews, not, or not Hebrews, not Jews, not Israel, not Israelites. But they repented before the Lord, and they were spared. Which is why it says that they will rise up in condemnation, condemning the generation, because they did what was required by the Lord. They humbled themselves, they repented and then continued to walk with the Lord, trusting him in his way. And another example is in John 5. I'll read verses 41 through 47 just because of the importance, and, but it also gives instruction as to what we are required to do to be considered part of that remnant. Verse 41 says, I do not receive, this is Jesus speaking, I do not receive glory from men, but I know you, that you do not have the love of God in yourselves. I come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another, and you do not seek the glory that is from the one and only God? Do not think that I will accuse you before the Father. The one who accuses you is Moses, in whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? And there's, there's a lot in this that we, we have to understand. Speaking of remnants, speaking of, well, I'll say words of discipline, but also of pending judgment. There is an element and aspect of that we have to understand who these words are written to. Primarily, it's written to Israel. And by Israel, I mean the Lord's people. Yes, there are those that are of the direct lineage of Abraham. And then there are those that have been grafted in as a wild branch into that tree. 
that are now also a part of the seed of Abraham. That receives the same blessings and promises and covenant, will, plan, purpose, and destiny that the Lord has ordained for all who will believe on him. And, and in that, all of the individuals that the Lord sent, they pleaded with the Lord on behalf of Israel. Multiple times in Scripture, Moses pleads or intercedes with the people. He reasons with the Lord and says, Lord, don't wipe them out. We're stubborn and obstinate. Forgive us. Take us as your people. You are our God. Many times he does that. And then also towards the end of his life in Deuteronomy, when he's speaking with the priests, he tells them to take the book of the law and put it next to the tabernacle. And the priests and their arrogance, their pride, their hardness of heart, said, we'll read this and we'll obey all the words of it. And Moses says, who are you kidding? I'm paraphrasing. He says, if you have not done this while I've been here, how will you do this? Or what expectation do I have that you will do this when I am gone? Many times, the body of Christ has looked at all these additional factors, whether it be elected officials or the government, at every level, local, state, federal, and said, and pointed, and said, well, the Lord's going to come back and he's going to judge and fix this. No, we've forgotten Judgment first starts in the house. Are we spotless, blameless, or spotless and blameless before our Lord and Savior? Or are there things in our life that we have to humble ourselves and repent concerning? Now, yes, we are the righteousness in Christ Jesus. And are we walking in that? Are we exemplifying our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ, only said what the Father said, only did what the Father did. Are we doing that? Or is there a possibility that we have deceived ourselves? Or that many that profess Christ have deceived themselves, but they're not truly right with him? Given another example, even again, John the Baptist. He spoke to the multitudes that came out, but much of his message was for the very people, Pharisees, Sadducees, and scribes, that taught and professed that they knew or understood the law and the prophets, the writings. 
found and contained within the Old Testament. They had deceived themselves, many of them. And then, even during Christ's ministry, there are many that believed that he was Christ, but would not confess it or profess Christ. The Lord wants all of us as a nation complete under the under him, the one and only true and living God. You know, again, this 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 nation, the United States of America, was built and founded upon the Lord. A nation that was founded on on the Lord, on God himself. Well, listen to what he says to in Isaiah 46. Listen to me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel. You who have been born by me from birth, and have been carried from the womb, even to your old age, I will be the same. And even to your grain years, I will bear you. I have done it, and I will carry you, and I will bear you, and I will deliver you. That is a promise. You know, we have often, when we look at the situations that are happening all around us, which is the Lord revealing just how many things have been in opposition to the Lord, all the different ways that we have sinned against Him. that we have allowed things that don't reflect his nature, character, and attributes to spring up in our hearts, in our conduct, in our legislation, our law, the laws of the land, which should only reflect the laws of God. so that they can be dealt with. He's showing us, because he's released the spirit of truth, just how many lies and things that are not of him, that do not reflect him, have become commonplace. And he's also given us time for his remnant to turn to him fully. Not to look for signs and try to calculate out how much time before he returns. One of the things we say in this ministry, whether it's the end of days or your end of days, are you right with the Lord? Are you in alignment? Is he your God? Are you his people? And the structure he created, is he your father? And are you a child of the Lord Most High? Have you made your choice for the Lord? You know, the Lord is constantly talking about the remnant. And there was a remnant in many generations, even in Noah's day. People carried on and continued as they always had, eating and drinking and marrying and some being given in marriage. And there came this time period. And when it was time, the Lord had brought into the ark everyone that he had, that had committed to him and made their choice for the Lord. 
that he was their God and they were his people. And he closed the door to that ark and no one could open it. Now the Lord is going to deliver his people again. And it is coming soon. And he talks about that throughout Isaiah. Isaiah constantly reminds us that the Lord will deliver his people and about the remnant. In Isaiah chapter 10, it says, Now in that day the remnant of Israel and those of the house of Jacob who have escaped will never again rely on the one who struck them, but will truly rely on the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. A remnant will return, the remnant of Jacob, to the mighty God. For through, though your people, O Israel, may be like the sand on the sea, only a remnant within them will return. A destruction is determined, overflowing with righteousness. For a complete destruction, one that is decreed, the Lord God of hosts will execute in the midst of the whole land. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of hosts, O my people who dwell in Zion, do not fear the Assyrian who strikes you with the rod and lifts up his staff against you the way Egypt did. For in a very little while my indignation against you will be spent and my anger will be directed to their destruction. The Lord of hosts will arouse a scourge against them like the slaughter of Midian at the rock of Oreb. And his staff will be over the sea and he will lift it up the way he did in Egypt. So it will be in that day, the burden will be removed from your shoulders and his yoke from your neck. And the yoke will be broken because of fatness. There's so much contained within there. Not just about the remnant, but about the Lord delivering his people. And then the people coming to a place where they only rely on the Lord, not on others, other people, other nations, treaties, and agreements, but their trust, their faith, their hope, everything, everything that they have and are doing is a total trust, reliance, and dependence upon the Lord, which is where we need to turn from and to. But it, he's also acknowledging in that passage how far we, or, well, in this case, Israel, but for us, we as a nation, how far we've fallen from the Lord, how much we've rebelled against him. And you see that in, in Isaiah chapter 1, the first 20 verses. How the evil things that we have done against the Lord, how we've despised the Holy One of Israel and turned away from him. How... It's gotten to a place where we are literally in opposition. How the Lord's had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed cattle, taking no pleasure in the blood of bulls, lambs, or goats. And the Lord's asking the people, who are, who's requiring these things of you? He doesn't care about the festivals in Isaiah chapter 1. The Lord's saying he hates those things. But he encourages his people. He exhorts his people to wash themselves and make themselves clean. Not to be in opposition, 
but to learn to do good. Cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, reprove the ruthless, defend the orphan, plead for the widow. He talks about how the, the people themselves, up to that point, had been in complete opposition. It was not from the top of the head to the soles of the feet, but from the soles of the feet up to the head, how it was in complete opposition. There was nothing sound. But he's saying, this is what it's for, so that my people will turn to me. Because the Lord reigns. And we are led by the Holy Spirit. In the very next chapter, Isaiah chapter 11, it says this, Starting in verse 10, then in that day, the nations will resort to the root of Jesse, talking about Jesus, who will stand as a signal for the peoples and his resting place will be glorious. Then it will happen on that day that the Lord will again recover the second time with his hand, the remnant of his people who will remain from Assyria, Egypt, Pathros, Cush, Elam, Shinar, Hamath, and from the islands of the sea. And he will lift up a standard for the nations and assemble the banished ones of Israel and will gather the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. Then jealousy, the jealousy of Ephraim will depart and those who harass Judah will be cut off. Ephraim will not be jealous of Judah and Judah will not harass Ephraim. And in verse 15 and 16 it says this, And the Lord will utterly destroy the tongue of the sea of Egypt. He will wave his hand over the river with his scorching wind, and he will strike it into seven streams and make men walk over dry shod. And there will be a highway from Assyria for the remnant of his people who will be left, just as there was for Israel in the day they came out of the land of Egypt. Look at all the, the beautiful blessings, and notice how they weren't just for Israel. They weren't just for what is considered the, the seed, the bloodline from Abraham. It's for all that would call on the name of the Lord. They shall be saved. Notice in verse 11 has all these different nations and peoples listed. But then look at what it says in verse 13. The jealousy of Ephraim and will depart. Those who harassed you will be cut off. There's no more jealousy within the body, no more of anything in the body of Christ, his bride, except no more of anything that is in opposition to the Lord, but unity out of love for the Lord and for his people. And in that day, that day that we are delivered, that his remnant is delivered and set free. It talks about giving thanks in chapter 12, Isaiah chapter 12. There's an acknowledgement there. We, the people give thanks to the Lord, acknowledging that, yes, he was angry with us, but that's turned away. He has comforted us. He is our salvation, and that we, his people, will trust him and not be afraid. 
The Lord himself is our strength and song and our salvation. And that he is in our midst and great in our midst is the Holy One of Israel. So I want to encourage you that the Lord has not forgotten his people and that there are many who are pleading and interceding with the Lord on behalf of this nation, but all the nations of the earth, for all the people of the Lord all around the earth. And I want to encourage you that you too can be a part of that. You too can be part of the remnant. By humbling yourself and seeking the Lord with all your heart, by believing in him, the Lord Jesus, the Christ, he is our Lord and Savior. He is our Savior. He is our Deliverer. Believe and trust in Him. Seek His face. and Allow Him to teach you and lead you through His Holy Spirit. So that we are not condemned with the world. And it goes for all peoples. Everyone has this opportunity. Not just in this nation, not just in Israel, but in every nation around the whole world. I encourage you to turn to the Lord. Not just people that profess Christ. Not just, well, in this nation we call Joe public. Not just elected officials, not just the clergy, but every person for themselves. Turn and seek the Lord. Turn to the Lord with all your heart, mind, and strength. Thank you for joining us this evening, or joining me this evening. I just want to encourage you, turn to the Lord and continue to stand for Him. And I'd like to thank you, those of the remnant already that are doing great exploits, Demonstrating the fruits of repentance and the Lord in the moving in your life by continuing to stand for righteousness and justice. I love you. God bless you.